Welcome to What She Said on 105.9 The Region. I'm your host, Candace Sampson. Depending on where you're tuning in from today, you're either avoiding torrential rain or sheltering from biting cold. And on top of all that, you're likely in lockdown. With nowhere to go, now is a great time to wrap yourself in a warm blanket with a hot beverage and enjoy the next hour of interviews with incredible Canadian women. From diet to science and movies to money, I've got you covered this week as what she said continues with January's focus of finding balance in all areas of our lives. And speaking of January, is it even the new year if we're not taking stock of our lifestyle habits, in particular our diets? My first guest today strongly believes that food is medicine and doctors shouldn't go to medical school but rather health school. A regenerative medicine educator, entrepreneur, author, doctoral student, and speaker, Nicolette Richet joins me to share some practical tips for optimizing your health with food. After all, you are what you eat, right? Anne Brody is back to share details about Locked Down, the first major release about and shot during the pandemic with Anne Hathaway. And The Dissident from Academy Award-winning director Brian Fogel, a documentary thriller that plays out at the highest levels of power, exposing the labyrinth of deceit behind the murder of Washington Post journalist Jamal Khashoggi. According to Anne, you'll be screaming at the screen watching this one. While many of us are looking to reinvent ourselves in 2021, Catherine Harrison believes we should be chasing reconnection instead. A certified professional coach and behavior change specialist, Catherine helps her clients focus on mindfulness, adaptability, and accountability, and shares a little with us today. Blue Monday, typically known as the most depressing day of the year, is right around the corner. And to compound that, we've also got a bad case of the COVID blues. What better way to get around that then by planning for the future instead? Teresa Valente, Senior Wealth Advisor at Meridian Credit Union, joins me to share how taking active steps will prepare you financially in the short, medium, and long term and improve your overall emotional and financial well-being. Do you feel like you've been winging it for much of this last year? Then you might be perfect for improv. Julie DeMay Osborne, Artistic Director of Second City in Toronto, joins me to share how you can access their new online classes from anywhere, expand your creativity, and be a master of improv, a skill we all need during these trying times. Finally, the big question we're all pondering is, when will I get my vaccine? Never fear, we now have a calculator to help us figure it out easily online. Jasmine Ma from Omni Calculator joins me to share what inspired her and her co-creator Stephen Wooding to develop the Vaccine Q Calculator for Canada and how you can access it yourself from home. It's another full week here of interviews to empower, educate, and entertain at what she said. So let's jump in right now on 105.9 The Region. It's around this time of year that we naturally start to question our lifestyle choices and how they are affecting us. From participating in dry January to taking a good look at our diets, January naturally just leads to self-assessment of our choices. My next guest is a regenerative medicine educator, entrepreneur, author, doctoral student, and speaker. She is a savvy wellness facilitator and a renowned environmental and sustainability expert with an insatiable desire to learn and educate. Nicolette Richet transforms people with chronic disease or cancer into conquerors of their condition through nutrition. She speaks regularly to captivated audiences about healing cancer and chronic disease through nutrition and detoxification. Welcome to the show, Nicolette. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. So I first I, I first heard about you on a Tony Robbins podcast. And as I was listening, I was feeling, I you know, I was going through this time in my life where I was having sort of this deep chronic pain and I'm more than aware that it's caused by stress, ongoing stress in my life, which is what really drew me to you. So I've signed up for one of your courses mm-hmm. and I think, I think the first people I'd like people, things people to know about you is that you're not like a fad diet, right? Not at all. It's everything but a fad diet. It's actually a lifestyle transition that you would make and continue to just live this way well until your hundreds. 
Right. And I, I really love that about the videos that I'm watching. Um, and so you say transition. Um, so do you, do you walk people through a gradual transition to this new lifestyle or is it like you're in and, and that's it? Like it's one day transition. Yeah. And it, that really depends on who I'm working with. So I tend to find, you know, a lot of very driven type A personalities who come to me and they're just like, tell me what to do. They're ready to do it for them. I can actually just, it's, it's almost like working with somebody who's an alcoholic. So we have a, a real huge problem of addiction to food, just way uh, somebody who drinks alcohol might have an addiction to alcohol or drugs. So we treat it like that. We have to, you know, cut out all the refined food because that stimulates our brain like cocaine and other drugs. And so those people are able to go cold turkey and start. My other set of clients will come to me and they have a chronic disease and often their diagnosis comes with a timeline. So for them, we would definitely, again, it would be cold turkey. They would stop eating the foods that contribute to the disease, start making lifestyle changes. But that's because they have a chronic condition where surgery is coming up or potential death from the disease. Now, for other individuals who are looking at, you know, they have chronic diseases that they've been living with for a long time. They're in chronic pain. They have low energy. You know, they can't get pregnant. They might have diabetes or heart disease, but they can live on their meds for a long time that way. What I do is I like to take them through the transition. So we do this over a course of five weeks so that by the time the five weeks is over, they've actually developed the habits and the skills and the knowledge and the science. And that's what motivates them to be able to keep going and to actually make it a lifestyle change. And those are the things that stick, right? When you develop those habits. So I, I think as a society, because you were talking about, you know, foods that contribute to the disease. And I think that as a society, we have a bit of a disconnect going on. We know for sure that certain foods can cause disease. And the very first thing we do is we prescribe medication for it and not diet. So how do we address that? Yeah. And that's a much bigger systemic issue because of the fact that medical doctors can go through eight to 12 years of medical school and only receive about one to four hours in nutrition training. So a lot of my clients, their doctors will actually write in their chart when my client suggests that they want to make a lifestyle change around food. And their doctors will actually write that their diet has nothing to do with their disease. And they write that without even knowing what their patients are actually eating. And they're not referencing the, you know, thousands upon thousands of journal articles that have been published over the last hundred years that directly showed the relationship between diet and disease. So that's a systemic issue. We, that needs to change. The curriculum needs to change in med schools. Now, of course, we also have different schools from elementary schools to universities teaching so many different types of eating trends that are out there. So whether it's keto or high calcium or the Atkins diet, which is exactly like keto. And so then we have individuals that are promoting these fad dietary concepts that aren't based on a lot of grounded research. And so that needs to change. And so it really is a big systemic issue, but I know from, you know, I've taught this program to over 7,000 individuals. And I know that when they make the transition to predominantly plant-based whole foods, um, they feel better in the body. They have more energy. Their pain is eliminated. They get off their medications. So people start to intuitively get that knowledge that food is our medicine. And then they start actually diving into the research, even though they're not medical doctors and scientists. And so it really is, um, part of it is sharing information, but information only goes so far. And the other side of it is just experiencing it for yourself. Okay. So we're talking, um, you know, I, I want to talk about inflammation for a minute, uh, if we can, because we're hearing more and more about inflammation, I think in the media and how it is directly connected to a lot of the diseases that we are acquiring, uh, in, in life in our society. So what are there foods that you recommend that people should be, you know, even if they're not following your plan exactly, are there foods you recommend for people to, to, um, take down the inflammation in their body? Definitely. So a lot of people will 
you know, think about foods that cause their bellies to be upset and then they want to stay away from those. So they'll say things like, I can't eat green pepper and I can't eat tomatoes and I can't eat, you know, some of my clients can only eat about five things when they first come to me. So people are thinking that these foods, these natural foods, plant-based foods are the foods that are causing the problem, but it's actually the refined foods that are in the diet. So I think the easiest way for people to remember and it makes it so easy when you go grocery shopping is that if it's a whole complete food that doesn't have to come in a bag, a box or a package, then you know that that's food that will actually help you reduce your inflammation over time. And actually quite quickly, we're talking about the next six days because so much of the relationship around inflammation is, is on a cellular level, but it's also on a microbiome level. So it's what is a bacteria in your gut responding to? So we are nature, we are humans, we are animals, but we are nature through and through. So if you were to try and feed your house plants, Diet Coke and Doritos chips and chocolate bars, your plants aren't going to live very long. If you were to go out there and water your grass with, you know, Gatorade and, you know, uh, you know, all of these synthetic processed food coloring, you know, rich foods that have preservatives in there, your grass is not going to thrive. It eventually, you know, will die over time. For some people that's quick for other people that, you know, might take a lot longer. So it's important for people to know is that this is not about restriction. It's actually about abundance. It's about diversity because we have 250 to 350 different plant species on the planet. You can eat all of those and all of those have anti-inflammatory properties, antioxidant properties. They're all chocked full of 82 to 150 different minerals and vitamins and enzymes and amino acids. So it actually opens up the world to you, but you have to be willing to eat the whole food, not the processed, packaged, refined version of those foods. Okay, excellent. So I, I imagine that you get all of your energy because I, I went on looking about you. So you're the owner of the Green Mustache Juice Company. You're founder of Sea to Sky Thrive. Uh, you have uh, a wellness center, but you're also planning to bike across Canada for 22 million strong. So can you tell us about that? Yeah, and it's exactly everything we're talking about. It's about raising that dialogue and awareness and conversation that our food is our medicine. So I'll be running and biking across Canada, 100 kilometers a day of biking and running, and I'll be doing that in 75 days straight. Now, I'm going to be the first woman to do this fully on a plant-based, whole foods, unrefined foods lifestyle. And the reason why I'm doing that is also to show that our bodies process plant foods so well. It gives us energy. It gives us fuel. It repairs our body and it does it much better than a refined food diet or a diet that's high in animal-based products, which actually cause a lot of the inflammation. Those animal-based products contribute to the breakdown of our cells and the stiffening of our vascular system. So the tour across Canada is actually to meet with communities all across Canada to have this diet, this conversation, and to allow people to ask the questions such as, well, where are you getting your protein? Well, all plant-based foods are chocked full of amino acids, which get turned into protein in your body. So it's to have these conversations so people can um, really just get over the barriers uh, to what they believe is healthy food, but what truly is healthy food. So that's what 22 Million Strong is about. Incredible. So if people want to connect with you, then learn more about 22 Million Strong or about you and the courses you offer, where can they find you? Yeah, they can go to 22millionstrong.ca. We do offer several courses on that website as well as my other website, which is nicoletteriche.com, which I'm sure you'll have the links in the show notes. And of course, if they're in British Columbia and they want to come to any of our Green Mustache locations, they can visit our greenmustache.com website and uh, learn all about everything we do. Okay. Incredible. Thank you so much for joining me, joining me today. This was wonderful. Uh, loads of great information. Thank you for having me on your show. This is amazing. Stick around more. What she said with Candace Sampson coming up on one Oh five, nine, the region. Welcome back to What She Said with Candace Sampson on 105.9 The Region. Right. 
Well, it was only a matter of time before art started to imitate life. And we now have our first major release shot and about the pandemic. Joining me now to discuss is Anne Brody. Welcome to the show, Anne. Hello there, Candace. Yes, indeed. The first major feature on COVID lockdown. And you can feel every second of it. So we have Chiwetel Ejiofor and Anne Hathaway. They play a married couple, or at least a couple, who has decided to split and then the lockdown comes. So they're trapped together. Um, and it's basically a really good conversation. It's, it's very wordy and it's so witty and, and interesting and fun. So she is the CEO of a British insurance company arm from America. And he is, uh, he's very educated, really smart, really suave, but he drives a truck because of something that happened years ago. And that's never explained. Uh, so one night during all their bickering, they realize that um, her big job now is to secure millions of dollars worth of jewelry and clothing from Harrods because of the lockdown and take it to a secure location. He happens to be the driver assigned. So what are they going to do? This is such a great film. Anne Hathaway, I know I said terrible things about her performance in Witches. She is so on point. I wouldn't be surprised if she gets a nomination. And Chiwetel, too. And he does this thing, you know, in New York where they all bang pots at, at 7 o'clock to cheer the frontline workers. He goes out every night in his very upscale London apartment, uh, the street, and recites poetry. And publicly breaks up with her on the street too. There is you know, so what, much going on in this. What, what struck me about watching that trailer is, you know, the, um, the, the obviously the, the story of a heist is not something most of us can relate to, but the underlying themes of being trapped in a marriage and being stuck with somebody inside for that long. Yes, you got it, girl. Relatable. Yeah, and they're not horrible to each other, which is why I, I kind of liked it uh, in that respect. They're, they're witty and they, they don't forget and they bring things up. It just seemed like a really mature relationship trying to, trying to break down. Um, but anyway, it's so good. I, I just can't emphasize this enough. It's on HBO. Okay, so, excellent. I, okay. We, have, we have about three minutes left and I know we're going to spend some time on The Dissident. So let's jump into it. Yes. Tell me about The Dissident. All right, Jamal Khashoggi was murdered in the Saudi Arabian consulate in Turkey, in, in Istanbul, uh, in 2018. And it was, it, it was unthinkable. He was lured in, he was, and he went missing. And you know the story, he, he was chopped up and dismembered by uh, the Crown Prince's uh, team. So, it, it's really an interesting uh, documentary, and there is a strong Canadian connection. Wow, I was not expecting that. Um, and it's about all the world powers and going to the UN and, and trying to get some justice for this, or at least to have the, the crown prince admit what he did. But of course, he gets away with everything because he runs a dictatorship. Honestly, the care and, and uh, information, it was astonishing. I literally stopped watching the film with my jaw on the ground. Yeah, you know, we don't need made up stories when we've got uh, real life dramas like this unfolding around the world. And and this is something I think that the whole world stood by and watched in horror. Uh, so uh, it, it's worth watching, if only to know what's going on right now uh, uh, in the world. It's, it's horrifying. And to know the aftermath. That's crucial. Absolutely. Anything else we can't miss this weekend? Yes. Can't miss makeup, it's called. And it, it is sort of a misleading title, but it's this incredible English actor we've talked about before, Molly Windsor. She plays a very young girl who treks out to the seaside in England to be with her boyfriend um, in a trailer park. It's more of an experience than a film. He figures very little in it. And she's more concerned about finding out who she is and, and does she need to be there and does he want her there? She's wandering around to the beach. She's in the wind and the sea and the salt and it's almost metaphysical. It's just so brilliant. I love it. Um, so makeup, it's an essential and it's on uh, VOD. Now we call it transactional VOD, I discovered. So TVOD, transactional meaning you pay to see it. 
Okay, excellent. Um, as always, Anne, you have a full list of movies that we can't miss on what she said talk.com. Uh, you are very active on Twitter, and I want people to know where to find you because you share a lot of great stuff there. So, where can people find you on Twitter? A, I mean, what's that thing called? Aster ampersand. Ampersand. At. <laughs> At. Okay. A N N E B R O D I E. Simple. Come At Ann Brody on Twitter. Uh, you're a delight, Ann. Thanks so much for joining me. We'll see you again. All righty. They don't love you like I love you. Slow down. They don't love you like I love you. Back up, they don't love you like I love you. Step down, they don't love you like I love you. Improv is a form of live theater in which the plot, characters, and dialogue of a game, scene, or story are made up in the moment. Sound a little like your life right now? Chances are you're already a pro at improvisation after the last 10 months living through a major historical event, but why not make it better by finding the humor in it all? Julie DeMay Osborne is the artistic director of Second City in Toronto and is joining me now to share how you can up your improv game with online classes. Welcome to the show, Julie. Hi, how's it going? So I have to tell you just a little story before we jump in. You know, <laughs> I used to work at Second City. Uh, I was a co-check girl in high school and, uh, you know, people would come in for dinner, then they would all move up to the theater. And when they did that, we would run up and we would watch the performance every weekend. And it was one of the highlights of my life. It's truly one of the most magical times of my life was watching those Second City improv performances every weekend. So it's a delight to talk to you. I absolutely love improv. Oh, wonderful. Me too. And I'm very happy to be here. Uh, and I completely relate. It, that's how so many people get hooked on this art form is the the incredible feeling of being in the room with it. It's such an alive, uh, dynamic art form. And it requires, it requires a, a certain amount of like, you have to be quick. You have to think because you don't want to drop the ball on that and have that awkward silence between those moments when you're doing improv with somebody else, right? So it, it does require a certain amount of of creativity and uh, quick thinking. It asks you to be present in the moment more than anything else uh, because sometimes our impulse can be to overthink when put on the spot like that. And what improv really asks of you is that you be present and that you respond and react to what's right there in front of you, what is real in that moment and not think ahead, not plan ahead, not try to author the ending, just allow wow. yourself to be in it. I have to tell you that you just gave me like a major aha moment saying that because it it, it's true. You cannot let your mind wander off to, you know, what's that idiot south of the border doing? Or, you know, uh, <laughs> what's what am I buying for groceries? You really do need to say stay in the moment. And we all need more of that. So, um, you know, it's almost a form of mindfulness. That's exactly how I would put it. And it's something we've really found people are coming to us during this pandemic time for that experience, for something that does let them shut out all of the outside noise, really just take some time to connect with other people, to not be thinking about things in advance, to be relaxed, to, to fail joyfully. That's one of my favorite things about improv, putting yourself out there and not being afraid for it to go wrong or to be silly or goofy because we try to live in a space that we create that is judgment-free where you can just play together. So we've got a lot of people joining us for online classes for exactly that. So I want to talk about the online classes then, because I think that's very interesting that you're doing this online. How does that work? <laughs> that was a big question for us when we took our entire, like our entire existence is something that we do in person rooms with people. And over the course of five days back in March, we had to go, oh, we're going to have to make some adjustments here and took the whole thing online. It, it, I mean, everybody now is used to this sort of Zoom world where you're engaging through screens. And that's what we're doing. We, we create Zoom classrooms just as many of our kids are <laughs> enduring right now or like we're doing at work. Um, and you bring together a group of students in that room with a facilitator. It's shocking how well a lot of the games and exercises and skill building activities translate to this environment. Uh, and so do, do you have a limit on class size? Yeah, I mean, the groups are generally you can expect in your class to have eight to 12 or 14 people. It's, we don't have massive classrooms, but we also take advantage of some of the upsides of the technology, like breakout rooms have been a wonderful tool for us to get smaller groupings in classrooms, working on things together. 
I want to talk, let's just talk a little bit then again about those transferable skills that people, because they might go, well, I, I, I'm not going to go be, work in improv, uh, you know, so it's important. I think the mindfulness is important, but uh, just off the top of my head, I think there's also a confidence building that comes 100%. from this. hundred percent. And, and you, you ask about translating this to sort of a Zoom setting we're all now engaging in a way that it's not like a traditional meeting, right? You're on screen the whole time. You're presenting off into a room that you're not getting a reaction from. Going through an improv class can be an incredible tool to feel more comfortable, more confident, being your authentic self, even in this kind of strange artificial setting. Yeah, you know, if you're somebody who needs to be out there, uh, you know, presenting with confidence as well, these improv classes could really give you that, that, um, that place to sort of practice uh, yeah. with, with, without the fear of the judgment. Cause I think we all Absolutely. have those nightmares of being naked in front of a group of people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Zoom has really brought that home. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, this is maybe a place to get virtually naked and, uh, you know, just present to that, use that word. <laughs> just that fail. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I want to people clothes in our classes. Yeah. I want to throw in that virtual make sure everybody understood you have to show up with clothes on. <laughs> For this yes, in, like, top to bottom, you never know how your frame is going to be. Like, let's, let's engage like, like professionals. Yeah, so how long it is doing, a place to be vulnerable how, like that, though. How long have you been doing the online online classes then, Julie? We pivoted to online back in March. And so we've been teaching that way ever since. It's been about 10 months. We just launched our first round of classes for 2021 and we have constant intake. So if you're feeling the itch or you're curious, we have classes of all durations and for all different skill levels. You wanna just come have a little taste. You can do a drop-in, it's two hours with no commitment. You wanna have more of a social experience where you have um, a, a class that is designed to make connections with other people and just have fun and blow off steam. We have the Improv Escape series for that. No no experience necessary, very low pressure, very social and fun. And then if you want to get a little more into it, we have amazing classes in writing and improv, uh, stand-up, storytelling, acting, you name it, podcasting, directing for video. Like we have, we have such a wide array for any taste and any uh, level of skill. Incredible. Okay. Where do we sign up? Oh, easy as pie. You go to secondcity.com. All the information is there. Incredible. Thank you so much, Julie. This was this was so fun. My pleasure. Thanks so much for having me. What's up, what's up, what's up? More with Candace Sampson and what she said coming up on 1059 The Region. Welcome back to What She Said with Candace Sampson on 1059 The Region. hard to believe that the most depressing Monday of the year, after a year that was literally just a string of unending Mondays, is almost upon us. Blue Monday, though, which falls on the third Monday of each January, is almost here. And instead of equating blue with sadness, we're going to blue sky our life today with a little planning for a happy future with Teresa Valente, Senior Wealth Advisor at Meridian Credit Union. Welcome to the show, Teresa. Thank you, Candace, and Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you. So it does seem like a good time. You know, we're in our homes. We're in going into another serious lockdown. Seems like a good time to be planning for the future when we're free of this, because we are going to be free of this someday. So let's talk about it. Absolutely. So typically this time of year, we're all kind of experiencing in a normal year, somewhat of a winter blues feeling. We're coming off of Christmas, uh, the busy time being with family, New Year's, we're smack dab in the middle of winter, the least amount of sunshine through the day. And now we have a new player that's joined us, which is COVID. So a lot of people are, say, are thinking this more of a COVID blues. What I tend to think of it as a COVID fatigue. So a lot of us are experiencing, we've seen enough of this, it's disrupted our lives enough, but a lot of our overall emotional well-being has a lot to do with financial stress and anxiety. So a few things that we can uh, think of when we're thinking of planning for the future is I always tell my clients whether or not we're going through COVID or not, and I'm going to say the B word is budget. Whenever I say the word budget, you can see the reaction in people like, oh, this is going to be 
hours sitting down, figuring out where every penny went. But really, a budget is very simple to do. There are a lot of templates out there that will list pretty much any expense that you'll have through the month. And all you have to do is put in the numbers. And the reason that I say this is so important is because it really identifies what your needs are versus what your wants are. And you really can't plan for the future if you don't have a very good grasp on where you are at this point in time. So it is a starting point. The yeah, you know, thing- I think it's funny, like, you know, add to cart is not therapy. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think and, a lot and- of us because we're, we're stuck inside, we're thinking, oh, you know, I'm just gonna what's the harm of just buying something online, but is it really helping the future? And for myself, because I've been doing a year of these with Meridian, uh, I've now started to instead of add to cart, I'm adding to my TFSA, to my RESP, to my RRSP, uh, which is serving me a lot better than that doodad I probably won't use. Absolutely. Absolutely. And there is two kind of factors that play into this. We have a lot of people who are feeling the crunch, right? They have uh, either temporarily employed or permanently. um, And also um, they're dipping into these areas, such as their tax-free savings, their retirement plans, um, their you know, jacking up their their credit cards at 21% interest, their lines of credit. Uh, with interest rates so low, I'm encouraging people, contact your retail partners, your banks, your credit unions. Uh, maybe a good time to consolidate debt, free up some of that cash flow so that you can put it into more of a savings position. Yeah, the head in the sand approach is just not going to work anymore. I mean, I think mm-hmm. probably people could have got away with that for a few months. But now as this is dragging on, uh, ignorance is definitely not bliss when it comes to your finances. So really a hard look at all that uh, is so, so important. Let's talk about the role of an advisor uh, for a bit, because I think that's crucial uh, for anybody who's maybe just starting to realize how important all of these uh, different pieces are in their financial portfolio. Absolutely. So a poll was done last fall um, that indicated that half of Canadians felt less financially secure about their future than prior to COVID. And I would suspect that this would likely be even higher now that we're going into a second wave. And 44% of those people indicated that their financial well-being was very attributed to their emotional well-being. So finding a trusted advisor, someone who is knowledgeable, educated, experienced, can not only provide you with uh, putting the economic situation that we're in in, into perspective, but will also uh, be able to be your voice of reason right? They will be able to uh, present cash flows and options, scenarios, what ifs, and what will the future look like? I'll give you an example of a client that I had last year um, going, especially when we were going uh, into the COVID, uh, the markets were going sideways, um, all the sectors were selling off very anxious, almost to the point he was ready to sell everything, take the loss, go into cash position just so he could sleep better at night. So what we did is we did get together and we we went through all these different what if scenarios. And at the end of it, he said to me, I feel so much better now that I have talked to you. And we went through the year together, regular contact, very important. And he is now in a better emotional position to deal with going through this second wave. So I do encourage staying in contact with your financial advisor often. And if you don't have one, find one in your area. It will be worth every minute of your time. You know, I think about my relationship with my hairdresser and I think about every time I sit in a chair with her, I literally tell that woman everything. And yet when I sit down in the past with a financial advisor, I was very guarded. That's the person I should be sharing everything with because it's my money. It's my future. So I I just want to sort of reiterate a point that we've talked about a lot over the last year is having that comfort level with your financial advisor. If you don't have it, find somebody that you do, right? 
That's right. That is, that is absolutely right. Because having someone in your corner, you don't have to go through this alone. We're all feeling some sort of a financial, um, financial stress from this. So having that voice of reason, someone who is experienced and can guide you through COVID and looking out to those one, five, 10, 15 years from now, it will put you in a much better overall uh, well-being. We have a couple of minutes left then. So, you know, Mm -hmm. I'm sure there are a lot of people listening who are very nervous, very fidgety about the coming year. What advice would you give people listening right now, sort of the first steps they could do to sort of ease their mind and then move forward? Well, I do want to uh, state that we are all feeling this, this COVID fatigue. They're not alone. Uh, having a financial partner, as I said, but also remembering that this is te- temporary. Although uh, it is a lengthy event, we are going to get through this. Um, finding a financial partner uh, to express your fears and concerns. Um, at Meridian, I have a team of Uh, expert partners. So whether they are in commercial or small business, estate, retail, lending. So when my clients come to me, I have these resources of these experts that I can pull into the conversation. So when people are planning forward and they are feeling this anxiety, you don't have to go through this alone. And having someone who is, is, addressing these concerns on a day-to-day basis will definitely help get you through and find those, those areas of which will help you get to the next milestone of your life, whether it be retirement, uh, get just getting through this next year, finding excess cash flow that you can put away to savings to make yourself feel better. Yeah. And man, oh man, yeah. if anybody's, if people are listening right now, I really just want to say that, you know, if you have made it this far, good on you. Uh, no shame no shame you have made it this far uh you know don't hesitate to reach out and get some help because we all need it right now it's it's just it's so important yeah yeah i agree and and we are very easy to find on uh if you go on our meridian website uh, www.meridiancu.ca click the wealth tab you will see, find an advisor in your area. And when you go in there, you will be able to see all the advisors as well as their bios. So there, there are many different uh, people that you can choose from. And it's true that sometimes lining up a personality um, with someone makes a difference. So, but find that trusted advisor to work with you. Excellent. This was great. Teresa, thank you so much for joining me. Blue Monday is probably going to be a little nicer uh, now that we can talk openly about the green. Yes. (laughs) Have a great day. Thanks, Teresa. Thank you, Candace. Women are predisposed to view time spent investing in themselves as selfish. Catherine Harrison, president of Purple Voodoo, a Toronto-based performance consulting company with a focus on mindfulness and accountability, wants you to reconsider that default position and instead consider the time you spend in reflection as selfful, not selfish. She joins me now to share some practical advice for carving out time for yourself so your connections with others can be stronger. Welcome to the show, Catherine. Thank you so much for having me, Candace. So it has been uh, quite a year, <laughs> to say the least. To say the least. Uh, typically, though, people are looking to sort of reinvent themselves at this time of year. You have another uh, idea for that. What do you think people should be doing right now? Yeah, you know, there's a couple things that come to mind. And I have been over the past number of decades, you know, I do the same, hey, New Year or September 1st, we fall into the how am I going to be better than, than the, who I am right now? And I think that that old narrative is really based on um, not accepting who we are, a bit of a shame-based narrative of these are all the things that are wrong with me that I should, that I should fix. Um, and I think there's an opportunity, particularly in light of really the ongoing 
complex challenges that we have all faced in the past almost 12 months now. I can't believe it's almost been a year. And to look at the notion of reinvention really as reconnecting to pieces or parts of yourself that may have been laying dormant, things that you love to do or to, or to be that perhaps you've become disconnected to. And, and to think about how awesome all of that stuff is instead of thinking of a wholesale, you know, removal of the bad stuff and, and uh, um, a focus on this new you. My thing is connect with the old you, connect with the real you, connect with the you that's already awesome. We often just get disconnected from the things that energize us, that make us feel curious and creative and purposeful and energized and connected. And I think that that is actually a more productive way to look at a new year sort of um, resolution or, or focus or goal for, for what you'd like to, to connect to. Yeah, you know, it's funny, you know, you're, you're talking and I'm thinking the whole last year has really been about reaction. We are reacting to these 24 hour news cycles that are really insane. Um, and we don't have we haven't had time to really just be in the moment. So how do you recommend people sort of carve out that time to allow cr the creativity or the reconnection with, you know, their sort of inner self to happen? Yeah. First thing really is, is you mentioned mindfulness at the top of the conversation. First thing is just even to notice that this is an interesting concept to you. If you're a woman out there thinking, man, I'd love to carve out that time. Just put a pin in that and think, yeah, okay. I actually have the desire to make time for myself, to reconnect to myself and to think about action and not just reaction. And the next thing would be it doesn't, again, it doesn't have to be a wholesale shift. It can be tiny little micro shifts in your day. And the easiest thing for me is in the morning, I don't turn on my phone. I don't look at my computer. I don't check any social media or emails for the first half hour. And I have just made a commitment to myself that that half hour is an opportunity for me to journal. And again, I don't mean capital J journaling. I just mean jot down what's on my mind jot down some of the things that I want to do for the day, jot down some of the things that are stressing me out or that they're like kind of easy wins. Um, and think about what's the one or two priorities for my day. And then I can actually connect with the world, but then I've, I've got a bit of an anchor. And the other thing that I think, because, Hey, where would we be during this time without Netflix and Crave and Amazon prime and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I do think that there's an opportunity to be mindful of how much of that entertainment time we are using when we could, we could borrow a little bit of that time, a little bit of that boredom time and repurpose it as white space to reflect on who have I been over the past year? Who have I been over the past five years? What are the various roles that I play? And women are notorious for playing lots of different roles and being there for everyone and not necessarily for themselves. And so, you know, noticing and, and actually leveraging some of that boredom or some of that white space that we so willingly give away to social media or to, or to Netflix, et cetera, and just begin with, you know, five minutes or 10 minutes of reflection. Yeah. I think it's the awareness, you know, that time is the currency, not money. Absolutely. Uh, and what is more important to you? Uh, you work with women, obviously, to help them sort of adapt and change and find and connect What's the number one piece of advice you would give somebody listening right now who is looking to sort of reconnect? Well, uh, I, I really think that the notion of radical self-acceptance, the notion of self-compassion, the notion of, of being mindful and present is kind of an underlying foundational um, nugget to hold on to that really helps to inform and, and lead us to everything else that we want. And, and, and I think that women often feel that that's a selfish endeavor, right? You mentioned that it's, we need to focus more on how it is self-full and how it is actually energizing as opposed to being selfish. And, and when, you, when you can actually just connect to 
the notion that you are worthy of this investment. And even if it's five or 10 minutes, if you got three or four little kids, now you're homeschooling them and you're working and your partner might be working and you've got a puppy. I mean, it's just, you know, it's full on all the time these days. So the notion of taking 15 minutes to just reflect and reconnect and think about what's really important seems a little, you know, self-centered and, and, and self-focused. And I think it's, it, it, I know it's cliche, but put the oxygen mask on first. Okay. You know, when you can really connect to that, you can help everybody else uh, more effectively. Wonderful. Okay. So Catherine Harrison from Purple Voodoo, if you, people want to connect with you, where can they do that? Best thing is go to katherineharrison.com. Uh, all of the information about the book is there. All of my tags for social media is there. And they can email me, Catherine at purplevoodoo.ca, any old time. I, I love connecting with people. Incredible. Thank you so much for joining me today, Catherine. Thank you, Candice. Happy New Year. Stick around. More What She Said with Candace Sampson coming up on 105.9 The Region. Welcome back to What She Said with Candace Sampson on 105.9 The Region. COVID-19 vaccine has arrived, many Canadians are wondering when they'll be able to receive theirs. Thankfully, we can thank my next guest for removing a lot of the guesswork for us. Together with her friend Stephen Wooding, Jasmine Ma helped co-create the Vaccine Q Calculator for Canada and is joining me now to discuss. Welcome to the show, Jasmine. Thanks for having me. So this is such a great tool. What inspired you to create it? It's just something that's been on all of our minds right now. Uh, when are we going to get the vaccine? So just a few weeks ago, my colleague Stephen Wooding in the UK put out the first vaccine queue calculator uh, for the UK, and it was really well received. I saw that. And, and this January, we finally felt like we had enough information from the government to um, give some estimates for Canada. And so I thought that would be really, really useful for people. All right, well, let's talk about that information then. So how does the calculator work exactly? All right, so it's based on the national estimate that we all get vaccines for all Canadians basically by the end of the third quarter. However, however, this is dependent on all of the vaccines we've ordered being uh, approved and going through the clinical trials successfully, which of course nobody can predict. Um, and it's also dependent on all the vaccines being delivered on schedule. So I would say that the calculator is a best case scenario estimate, gives you a rough idea of what's to come in the, in the upcoming months. And when people access the calculator, there are a number of criteria that they're asked to enter, right? To determine sort of their place in line. Right. So you're going to be, if you go to the website, you're going to find, it asks for your age, then you put in like, are you a healthcare worker? Um, you know, uh, do you live in a long-term care home facility or a, a other group situation? And then um, based on these questions, we can help determine whether you fall into stage one, stage two, or stage three, according to the national guidelines. And I'd like to put the caveat out there that the, these are guidelines and every province and territory is responsible for uh, rolling out their specific plans, which may differ from the national guidelines. So there is going to be some variation here, um, especially like, for example, Ontario, uh, if you type in you're 70 years old right now, according to the national guideline, you are in stage one. But Ontario has already told us that people aged 70 years and older of the general public, like you're not in a hospital right now, you're not in a long-term care facility, that you are in stage two. So the best place to go for your information is still your local health authorities. And we're going to try to be linking up uh, to, to a lot of those important websites tonight. 
Right. What I do love about the calculator, though, is it at least gives you a sense of when you may. And because we're all chomping at the bit to get back to a little bit of normalcy. Uh, when I entered in my information, it told me I have about 12 million people between 12 and 22 million people ahead of me. Yeah. Um, and I could expect to have mine sometime in July. Um, but, you know, it did give me... Um, you know, it gave me sort of a sense of hope to know that that was that was there. It's like it's a, it's a finish line, a light at the end of the tunnel, as it were. Yeah, it is a light at the end of the tunnel, and and, and you'll be able to play around with the num the number there, because um, if we assume that not everybody wants to get vaccinated, we've we've allowed people to edit that number. Um, but but again, uh, the main takeaway for me is that hey, we're, the vaccines are here. It is 2021, but it's not over yet. So let's, you know, protect each other, protect ourselves and realize that the end is still months away. And, and we're going to have to keep social distancing to keep everybody safe. Yeah. And that is a key point I, I, that I love too, by the way, is when you go to the calculator page, you do have a lot of very useful information that shows up alongside the calculator that people can read uh, to understand that it isn't over yet. We still have to maintain social distance and all the things we can do to protect ourselves. When did the calculator launch? What day? It launched on January 7th. Okay. And can you tell how many people have accessed this calendar calculator so far? I don't have the exact number for you at the moment, but it, it's been it's been a lot of numbers. And and last Steve told me it was around a million uh, page views for Canada uh, this morning. So it seems like it's getting a lot of attention. That's that's incredible. And so you do have plans, obviously, to keep updating it, though, with with new information as you receive it and also regionally. Is that correct? Um on a national scale, uh, we're looking to, to update regularly. Uh, at, on a provincial scale, it's difficult because they it, it's an evolving situation. I called the health, some of the health lines yesterday, and they told me it's an evolving situation. You know, they're they're gonna keep updating their guidelines as we go along too. And it, I'm not sure if we're going to be able to update for each province, but we will be trying to link to the uh, appropriate links where you can find the information yourself. Jasmine, this is incredible. I really, I just, this was just such a feel good story to know that we have a finish line coming up. I'm yeah. sure everybody's going to be accessing it. So if they want to go to the calculator and figure out when they're going to be in line potentially for their vaccine, where can they go? So two ways. Uh, number one, you can go to Google, type in vaccine calculator Canada. It should pop up. It's at omnicalculator.com. If, if you have any trouble, go directly to the omnicalculator.com website and in the search engine, just type in Canada and it should be the first result. Incredible. Thank you so much for joining me today, Jasmine. This was great. Thank you. That's it for What She Said for this week. Stay up to date with our newsletter by signing up at whatshesaidtalk.com and be sure to follow on social at What She Said Talk on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter for videos of these interviews and more. Finally, be sure to subscribe to What She Said with Candace Sampson on Apple and Spotify for extended podcasts. I'll be back next week with more What She Said on 1077 Pulse FM. Previous episodes of What She Said on 1059theregion.com.